sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. And this day, we are delighted that we have the opportunity to join with you wherever that we may have found you today. Greetings right here from our headquarters in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We look forward to gathering here every day and spending some time with an open Bible talking about the good things that God has given to us in His Word. And this week, I've already spent a little time working through the statements that Jesus gave us that we often refer to as His Commission, the Great Commission. And we saw in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, in John, and also in the first chapter of Acts, how that the Lord laid out the game plan for what he wants us to do personally and corporately in our local churches. The Great Commission, it's a big thing in the Bible, and somehow or other that needs to be revived, it needs to be renewed in churches all across the land and around the world. You know, the Great Commission really is a reflection of John 3.16, because when Jesus said that we're to go out, we're to tell people about the Savior and salvation, uh, we really are taking that message that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Jesus reflected that in his ministry throughout the entire time he was here, and then the apostles as well, and the early Christians, the early church people, not only in uh, Jerusalem and in Antioch, but in all those places where the churches were planted. This really was the focus. Now, today I want to look at Luke chapter 14, that is really what I'm calling an illustration of our Lord's Great Commission. You may recall it. It simply says that a certain man, this is verse 16 and following, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. There's good news here, and there's news that's not so good. Now, we need to understand, first of all, there are invitations given here. When verse 16 says, he bade many, that's an invitation. He repeats that again in verse 21 to another crowd. He repeats it again to even another crowd in verse 23. So we have three invitations extended here from the Lord to come to what is referred to in this story as the Great Supper. Now, dear friends, throughout the Scripture, you're going to find appeal after appeal made to individuals and made to crowds. Invitations are extended throughout the Bible 
for men to come to the Savior. We need to see that as we look at every single book in the Bible, and you'll find the Lord inviting to come to him, and he is very, very serious about that. And this passage, this illustration here, reveals that seriousness because it makes very clear the provision is a full provision. There is plenty on the table for everybody to come and eat. And obviously, when you get through looking at this, everybody is invited. Full-scale plans have been made to take care of every person that shows up. And the scope of it is absolutely stunning. Not only does he invite the folks that uh, expected to be invited, the social set, but he invites the folks who are down and out. He invites the folks like the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. And then later says, just go out everywhere and get everybody you can. So we have all of these invitations being extended. And listen, this is exactly the way the Lord operates. When you show up on planet Earth, it's not going to be long until you're going to sin. You're going to demonstrate your sinful nature and you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have trouble eternally. You're not going to go to heaven because of that. And so the Lord's made arrangements so that you can go to heaven. And wherever that you are, whoever you are, whether you're young or old, whatever the case, the Lord invites and continues to invite, and he wants you to receive that invitation and make ready for heaven. Now, it's obvious here, a lot of folks do what the men did in this passage. In verses 18 through 20, uh, three guys are quoted as making excuses. One of them said, I bought some land and I really need to go see about it. Now, very frankly, folks, I don't think I would buy any kind of land. I really would not want to buy a farm. I wouldn't want to buy a lot to build a house on or anything like that unless I had had opportunity to see it. Yesterday, I saw a sign that said there was a house going up for auction, and I like sometimes to go to those kinds of things. And so I drove around in the neighborhood and came to the place where the house was going up for sale, and immediately I noticed that it was on a sloping lot. The front yard was sloping down toward the house, and I'm saying to myself, well, I don't think I'd want to even consider that because, after all, it looks to me like the water's going to run off of the yard and probably wind up under the house or in the house sometimes whenever you have a big rain. So you see, I just did a little check and I really wasn't interested in buying the property. I was just looking in this case. But if I had been interested, you understand what I'm saying? I would not have wanted to do that at all. Now, I couldn't know that until I went and checked it out. This guy said, I've got land. I got to go see about it. Well, that's just an excuse. The second guy said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go test them out, see if they really work like the fellow said they would work. Well, once again, this is foolishness. Uh, nobody buys a tractor. Nobody buys, uh, you know, a herd of milk cows or whatever. Nobody would go do that without checking and getting the details. You just wouldn't do it. So it's only an excuse. And then I think the worst excuse of all, in verse 20, one of the guys said, you know, I'm just now married and I really need to go and be with my wife. And listen, folks, when you start using your family as an excuse for what you don't want to do. You use your family as an excuse for not coming to God. I mean, to me, that is about as awful as it gets. And this guy using this new wife as an excuse for not coming to the Great Supper. I mean, after all, everybody's invited. He could have brought his wife, but he didn't do it. He made it an excuse. So 
the Lord said, after all these excuses are made, he gives three direct orders. In fact, verse 17, verse 21, verse 23, he says to his servant, first of all, everything's ready. Everything is in place. Then in verse 21, after those excuses are made, he said, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. I like that little phrase, bring in hither. That simply means get them in here. And who's he talking about? He's talking about the poor, the maimed, that is people maybe that have been hurt in some way physically, and the halt, those that maybe have a physical handicap, and the blind. And he says, just bring them in, bring them in. What are we looking at here? Why do we have uh, these folks being invited? Well, folks, these are the unloved, the unwanted. These are sometimes referred to as the throwaways. These are people that sometimes just are not wanted and they are not treated well. But the Lord has said, I want them all. He invites them all to come. And that's why at my church and at your church, we need to open the door wide for every single person. I mean, yes, there needs to be a wheelchair ramp if the uh, building has steps to get into it. Why? Because we want every single person to have access. We want them all to come. And so the Lord gives orders here. And listen, you got to love this servant in this passage. He's a very sincere man. He's very loyal. He's very faithful. And he does exactly what the Lord tells him. And he keeps coming back and giving the reports. And uh, he says, even after having done all of this, he said, Dear Lord, we have done like you said. It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. I'm telling you, that just, oh, it rings the bell down deep in my heart. And I hear the Lord saying, look, not only the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind, but uh, hey, we still got room. So go outside the city, go out into the highways and hedges, out into the lanes of the uh, country places, the out-of-the-way places. Uh, the place uh, where that uh, maybe very few people live. Go down the little narrow road. Find those people at the end of the lane and invite them as well. No one is to be left out in the Lord's economy, in the Lord's invitations. And yet, he says, I've still got room. And you know what he's up to? This passage tells us in verse 23, he says that my house may be filled. Well, is he talking about the house of God at your local church? Perhaps he is. I think it's well when the house is filled. We ought to fill it up. And if we fill it up, we ought to start a second service and fill it up twice on Sunday or fill it up three times on Sunday if we can. And some of us have done that over the years when we had to do it because we needed to double use and triple use the space. And uh, listen, you just do what you can do to make room for every single person. But really, this may be talking about heaven because, you know, John chapter 14 refers to heaven as the Father's house. And so in this case, whether you're talking about your local church or talking about heaven. I think the Lord says, I want my house to be filled, and it's just important that you and I go out there and find folks and bring them to the Savior. The excuse makers miss out. Take note of this, dear friend. The folks, whatever the excuse that they made then and whatever excuse folks make now, excuse makers are going to miss out. They're not going to be seated at the table. They're not going to be participants in eating the great table that the Lord has set for us. And dear friends, this whole thing about a great supper, you know what the Lord's talking about here? He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the Christian life. He's talking about rewards in heaven. He's talking about all of the 
good things that he has arranged for us. Now, he's not going to force anybody. If you want to be the excuse maker, you want to use your family, your land, or your possessions in some way and say, well, I got all this business to take care of. I'm way too busy to be a Christian, way too busy to serve the Lord. If that's the route you choose, I'm telling you, the Lord will let you do it. He will not force you into doing what he wants you to do. He won't do it. He knows what's best. He knows what you need to do. He's made arrangements so you can do it and do it on his tab. Listen, it's not a matter of you having to pay for your salvation, but the Lord's already paid for it. He's already made arrangements for it, and it's simply up to us to say yes to it. And I'm telling you, this story that illustrates so well our Lord's Great Commission, it tells us really that the Lord has made a great provision, but it also tells us that those of us who are saved, we have the responsibility to tell this story. We need to tell folks everywhere that Jesus died on the cross. He arose from the grave. He paid the sin debt that all of us owed. He purchased salvation for us. That is our commission. Listen, folks, this is a heaven and hell issue. This is a life and death issue, and God has given us the commission that we have already noted. We saw it stated and restated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We know that it is our task personally and corporately. And when I say corporately, I'm talking about our local churches. But every one of us individually have a responsibility to tell the story and make clear that the message of this great supper is really a message for everybody. What a powerful man it must be that arranges for such a great supper. And truly, the Lord God in heaven is a powerful being who is able to make arrangements for the entire human race so that all of us can be included. And I look at this diligent servant in this passage, and I say, God bless him. He's a good man. He's devoted. He's loyal. He serves the Lord, and he is doing what he's asked to do. And this illustrates the Great Commission so wonderfully and so powerfully. Now, Lord willing, tomorrow we're going to look at some instances in which Jesus dealt with people individually, and I think we'll learn some things from that as well. Well, in the meantime, let me invite you to check us out at our Sword of the Lord website at swordofthelord.com. A lot of things there you'll find interesting and that'll be enjoyable for you. And do write me a note. Let me know that you listen to this station and that you hear me on the broadcast. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, thank you for being along today. And until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.